Well, good morning again. Uh, my name is Pastor Tony. If you were here two weeks ago, I got about everything wrong possible during announcements. But this is a church of grace and mercy and second chances, so they're letting me try it one more time at least. So, yes, I know. Isn't it a great church? So here we go. We have uh, no adult discipleship groups or Sunday school today. Um, we have wrapped that up for the summer. Uh, we will be restarting those uh, here in a couple weeks. And so don't go over to the other building today. Uh, there's nothing happening over there uh, after service today. But there is donuts and coffee, so please do stay for that. Uh, we have yellow sheets uh, in the back. If you are new or visiting with us, we would love to get you connected in with the church. You can fill that out. Uh, if you don't get our emails, that's probably wise because we don't have your email yet and, or your phone number. If you want to get plugged in with men's, women's ministries or any of the things that are happening here, if you want to know more about opportunities to serve, that's one of the best ways to do that. Fill out that yellow sheet. You can drop it in the offering box on your way out. So starting... Um, on the 10th of September, so far, so good, right? Am I getting these dates right? We are changing back to two services. So that will be at 8.45 a.m., and then we'll do our coffee donut fellowship time, and then our second service will be at 10.30. During that 10.30 service, there will be kids Sunday school, youth Sunday school, and then the change is from, from last year is that we will then have uh, continue to offer adult discipleship groups during that second service, during the 1030 time. So we'd love to have you uh, join and be a part of that. That also means that those of you who have gotten kicked out of your assigned seats, uh, you may be able to reclaim those come September 10th. So uh, there will be a scramble for that. Um, so get here early and reclaim your assigned seats. No, but actually, we do challenge you to keep mixing it up a little bit. Maybe don't always go to the first service or don't always go to the second service. Part of why we've done one service is to try to help connect one another throughout the church. So maybe mix it up a little bit. Maybe sit in a different seat like you have been this summer. By, by, uh, maybe not by choice, but maybe you can continue to do that uh, willfully, voluntarily. We have a youth canoe trip coming up August 26th. That is uh, going to be starting, we're going to be meet here at the Solgrad at 8 a.m. Um, that's for families are welcome to join for that. Youth families are welcome to join with that as well. We'll be meeting at 8 a.m. Uh, we're going to be doing a section of the river down towards Colfax of the Red Cedar River. Um, it's a section I've never been on, uh, but... Uh, we're, we're planning that for that date on, on Saturday the 26th. We're going to meet here. We'll be back around 3 p.m. Um, you can sign up and register on the Soul Garage website, which is thesoulgarage.com. So check that out. Get registered. Um, and if you need canoes, you, know, you can let us know that on there. A couple women's events happening this week on the 22nd and the 24th. We've got the kayak and log rolling. That's Tuesday, 5 to 9. Picnic, Thursday, 3 to 7. Men's breakfast uh, is this coming Saturday, the 26th, uh, or whenever the 26th is. Is that this coming Saturday? Yes. So the 7 a.m. here in the Fellowship Hall. And then a prayer walk. Uh, Red Cedar and Maranatha together, maybe a couple other churches are helping kind of partner with some of the youth that... Uh, are going to be doing a student-led prayer walk on two different days. So the first one is happening this Thursday, the 24th, at a couple of the elementary schools. So Hagen, Rice Lake, and Cameron. That's from 6 to 7 p.m. 
and then on the following Wednesday the 30th at the middle school and high schools in Cameron and Rice Lake. There will be a prayer walk happening from 6 to 7 p.m. And that's open to others to attend as well, uh, just to come and help, um, kind of like the Unite Night event where it's a community, uh, open to the community to participate as they kind of just pray for, pray for the schools, dedicate them in this year to the Lord. There we go. One last thing, our celebration. How many of you were able to be with us for the baptism service last uh, Sunday? Raise of hands. Wasn't that wonderful? Wasn't that just an awesome time together? One of my favorite Sundays of the whole year, being together as a church family, having a meal together, um, walking and avoiding goose poop on the ground. It was kind of like a little obstacle course out there. Um, But we had 17 people that... uh, we're obedient to Christ's command to be baptized, and uh, what a joy that was, and not only for us as pastors to be a part of that, but for several of you to be a part of the baptizing of those that you've invested in, maybe some parents, um, others who've been discipling um, others and have had that impact on their lives, to be a part of, of baptizing people. And so we just celebrate God's work, his, his goodness, and both bringing people to faith and then also helping them to take that step of obedience and being baptized. Uh, if you miss that opportunity, right about here is another opportunity. So any Sunday that you want to get baptized, if you weren't able to be baptized last Sunday, uh, but you know that's something that you need to do, uh, we can fill this uh, little baptism up here and uh, get, you, get you baptized. So just let one of us pastors know we would love to, to help you take that step of obedience and public declaration of your faith as you symbolize um, a tangible expression of the gospel um, through your baptism. So with that, I invite Pastor Cody to come up and give us our word today. Thanks, Pastor Tony. You're hired for announcements. <laughs> well, great morning, everyone. So when you said good morning, is usually what I say, but I said great morning because I'm a bit, not that I'm shaking nervous, but I'm a bit nervous about this morning, not in the sense like, oh no, I'm nervous to be in front of people, do I get a booger hanging from my nose, not that kind of nervous. But what we're dealing with this morning is one of the most precious, important concepts that we need to understand, and I'm excited, I'm excited. All right. So I often, and some of you know this about me, I often wear my identity when I leave home. Let me give you a few examples. Went through a bunch, I've got so much, I'm surprised my wife's like, get rid of half of your t-shirts. I've got a lot of t-shirts. For instance, if I leave this area, if I leave Barron County, I like to wear a shirt that lets people know where I'm from. Does anybody else have this shirt? Anyone? Anyone? Small town, I got a little heart by where we are, Barron County, anyone? So I let people know, hey, I'm from the greatest part of Wisconsin. In fact, my opinion is, and uh, Pastor Aaron's a little bit brighter in these areas when it comes to creation, but um, I believe God created the world, and I believe when he started, he touched Wisconsin, went up around, and nothing left by Illinois. Okay, anyways, all right. So I let people know where I'm from. Also, when I travel through Wisconsin, around Wisconsin, I wear my Appleton West t-shirt. I had an older one, I finally got a newer one. Appleton West Terrors. And it's not terrorists, it's terrors. I'm surprised nowadays they're changing all the names of football teams and stuff. I'm like, no, a terror is like a wild badger. And uh, so I'm from Appleton West. West is best, east is least. That was the phrase that we had with the two. Also, when I travel around Wisconsin, 
If I go to Madison, anybody know, heard of Madison, Wisconsin? I wear this shirt. It says, conservative. <laughs> now, when I wear this shirt, people go, he's not from here, right? This guy's not from the area, but I make sure I wear this shirt when I'm in Madison. And if I leave, and I, I could have went through piles of shirts, I only got two more left, but if I leave the, the great state, the greatest state of the union, Wisconsin, now it's, it's baseball season, although it is getting close to football season, I wear this, the Milwaukee Brewers, right? Even though I may not know everyone on the team and stuff, I let people know I'm not from that area. When it's football season, I wear that. When I dropped off my daughter at Moody Bridal, I almost said Bridal Institute, Moody Bible Institute, <laughs> One of the nicknames they have there. Um, I wore my Packer stuff to let people know I'm not from there. And when I leave the country, what do I wear? Right? Yes, I let people know. In fact, when I was in the Philippines, my first time, I had my American flag swim shorts and I got a picture of me on the beach. I let people know I'm not from here, especially the Madison one. Today is going to be a reminder that we are not really ones who belong here. We have an eternal destiny. So what I'm going to do in four parts here is we're going to talk about heavenly motivation, heavenly minded, heavenly promises, three of those. And then lastly, three examples of earthly struggles. I'm going to give you three um, fictitious examples of the struggles we can have to help you to give you, I even thought of this when I was, when I was a kid. My mom, I would dress up for church and I had a white shirt and the collar and sometimes it was wrinkly. What would she spray on there to make it all stiff and nice? Starch. Today is like some spiritual starch to straighten you up because life can bring you down. Today's a little bit like starch. You're kind of like, all right, we're going to have a good understanding of what it means to be heavenly minded. So let's pray before we begin. Lord, today is a precious day. Number one, we get to gather together as fellow believers. That is so dear and precious to us. Lord, we pray for the Christians that are in different countries that are unable to do what we're doing today. We pray for the missionaries who are working underground. We pray for um, the believers who are being persecuted in ways we don't understand. As they have gathered, I pray that you would get their gaze upon you. And Lord, today as we get through this passage, help us understand the beauty of the heavenly promises that we have in you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, grab your Bibles and go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 20. Philippians chapter 3, 20. It says this, just these two verses here. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 3, now verse 20. Who, by the power that enable Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lower bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. So in Philippians chapter 3, if you've missed any of the, the sermons we've had on Philippians chapter 3 for the last 
month and a half here, Paul has showed the dangers of having wrong thinking and also wrong attitudes. Allowing people to have what we would say a false sense of salvation. This is what saves me. We must not rely on these past successes. Instead, center on the main goal of knowing Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. There are some who only profess the name of Christ, whose actual gods are their own desires, their sensual pursuits, or their stomachs, as we talked about last week. That's their desires. And in the end, they will face destruction because of their unrepented lifestyle, showing that their faith was just lip service. It was just an empty profession of faith and not a living act of Christ in Christ as Lord. The Bible warns to never confuse just having a profession of faith alone without having a possession of living faith that shows in what we say and do. Good works don't save us. They truly don't. But they do prove that faith is living and present in our lives. And we lay hold to Christ righteousness by faith alone we are justified by faith alone not by faith that is alone and again that's the theme of james chapter 2 we have this faith alone in christ but it also is displayed in beautiful ways so to help us to not fall in the trap of thinking of earthly achievements that can save us and not be consumed by pursuing sensual delights of this world paul gives us heavenly motivation he was saying don't follow these things now he turns to heavenly motivation in these two verses he turns our gaze away from the earthly temporary things to a few of the heavenly promises that we have we belong to heaven and our heavenly destiny awaits for us that truly is worth sacrificing any worldly pleasures that we may entertain so we must be heavenly minded now there's this old statement in fact i tried to figure out where it first came from it was from a poet then i found out that johnny cash made it into a song that somewhat against christians who get into the bible maybe a little bit says but we are not to be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Maybe the Johnny Cash song or something. The kind of was like, you know, don't be so heavenly minded that you miss out on the earthly things you need to be doing. It may be saying that there are some that are so focused on heaven, they miss out on the responsibilities right in front of them on earth. But let me say this. I would disagree with this statement. And I think Paul would too. We must be heavenly minded. We must have an obsession with heaven so that we then can be useful in our earthly callings. So I would say, as we hear from Scripture also, the only hope of satisfaction and joy comes from that which is eternal not temporary on earth and we must set our minds on things above listen to this out of colossians chapter 3 1 through 4 
Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your mind, uh, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you have died, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So we must be, I believe, the foundation of true joy and satisfaction is to be heavenly minded. In fact, I've got some friends whenever I say, how, how's it going? Well, I'm living the dream. And I want to go, hmm, no, I'm living for the dream. Heavenly minded. Being heavenly minded, setting our hearts on things above, does not mean that we don't care about our earthly obligations and responsibilities. You can't go to work and be like, I'm not going to work today because I need to be heavenly minded and just read the Bible. Well, I get to read the Bible for my job, so maybe that's what I get to do. It helps us put our mind in right perspective. As, we, as Jonathan Edwards, one of my favorite authors, says, labor much to be acquainted with heaven. Be heavenly minded. Be obsessed with heaven. When our focus is on the beauty of heaven and the glory of God, it frees us from dependence on earthly things. Since there awaits for us an eternal inheritance of infinite joy, it's foolish to spend energy, all of our energy, to obtain so brief time here on temporary things. Things that fade, things that corrupt, things that rust. Because our joy will be forever in heaven. It's amazing how much energy we put into things of this earth that just fade away. For instance, let me give an example. This is an embarrassing example of I, when I was in Seattle, I bought a truck out there and brought it back to Wisconsin. No salt out there, so it's a 98 truck. How many have seen my truck and go, that looks in good shape, right? I knew Rick, you'd be raising, yeah, that's in good shape. It's been here now for eight years. Rust. Let me just tell you, never let a pastor go to the store and buy two cans of spray paint to do touch-up on their nice-looking truck. Oh, man. <laughs> I started spray painting, and then in the light, I realized, what was I thinking? I'm not, oh, let a professional do this. All these things, I was spray painting some of the rust. I'm like, no, that's not how you do it. We must be heavenly minded because that is where eternal joy, all the things around here, corrupts. Paul now gives us, in this passage, three heavenly promises. First, look at the first part. Our heavenly citizenship a citizen is someone a person who legally belongs to a country and has the rights and hopefully protections of that country when we are born we are then citizens of that country we typically receive automatically the right to belong to that country and the protection of that country and often though living there we adapt also that country's Beliefs, thoughts, patterns, culture, values, practices of that nation. For instance, America, we are so wonderful and great, we call football, football. But for some reason, the rest of the world is wrong, and they call football soccer, right? We Americans, we have adapted and understood football is to be football, and the rest of the world goes, you guys, no, football is soccer. We adapt different understandings of each of those. 
First, our heavenly citizenship is eternal. We belong to heaven. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to call three people up. So Otieno, Michelle, and my wife Amber, come on up. And I'm going to ask you guys some questions. Now, I've got three people who were born in three different countries. All right, I even got chairs for you. All right. All right, here we go. Take a look. Can you tell that some maybe not have been born here? Not by what they're wearing. All right. So I'm going to ask you, yeah, just start, I'll start with you. All right, what are my questions? We're going to make sure I ask them. Where were you born? I was born in Kenya. In Kenya. Anybody? I should have got a map up there. All right, all right. All right, hand to Michelle. Where were you born? The Philippines. All right, get ready for this. Amber, where were you born? Canada. What? <laughs> okay, three different countries, like I said. Kind of threw a loop there for you. All right, three different, okay. So now let's go back to Otiano. OT, what citizenships do you have? I actually have three citizenships. I have uh, US, I also have French, and the country of my birth, Kenya. So I have three citizenships. Three citizens. So US, France, and Kenya. Awesome. All right, Michelle. I'm a US citizen. Okay. And I'll share more of my story later. Sure. And Amber. U.S. So let, let's just explain a little bit why you were born in Canada. I mean, it's our, it's our largest national park. Oh, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> many people didn't realize you were born in Canada. What was the situation there? My dad was teaching at a school in Canada in Winnipeg, and I was born. And then we moved back to the States. Yep. So both my parents were U.S. citizens, which meant I remained a U.S. citizen. Um, which I potentially could have dual citizenship, but I've never tried for it, so. Think of the fishing rights you would have to... <laughs> oh, no, no, no. All right, let's move back to OTNO, and I'm going to ask you just one more question. What benefits do you have of your three... What are, what are some of the benefits you have? Uh, benefits that I have is um, that uh, the country... So like for example, when we served as missionaries in Chad a few years ago, we registered at two embassies. So we registered at the U.S. Embassy and the French Embassy. And France was very big. They had a military base. Uh, one privilege we had is that if there was anything, we would rest assured, basically, that the French would come and evacuate us. So that was, and also just being able to travel in Europe. And every time I arrive in, uh, in France, I'm told, welcome home, and just feels good. And when I come back to the States, welcome home. So those are great things. And when I go to Kenya, Karibu Nyumbani, which is welcome home in Swahili. So it's always great. All right, Michelle, what are some of the benefits you have? So even though I'm not a Filipino citizen because I was born there, um, I do have a status called Balagbayan, and I have um, certain rights. Like I can go travel there and stay for up to a year without a visa, um, and I, I can buy property. There's other things I can do that um, non-Filipino citizens can't do, but because I was born there, I can do that. What benefits do you have? <laughs> We're the greatest nation. You can wear my cool shirt. She's probably like, thanks for putting me in a spot. Yeah. Husbands. Oh. 
U.S. citizen, all the rights that everyone else has. Yeah, we're the best. All right, all right, all right. All right, listen to this. Not to put them on the spot, embarrass them, but they forgot. I, you know, isn't it amazing? Three citizens, he said three. I'm like, uh-uh, you got four. We also have a spiritual citizenship. In a sense, we have a dual citizenship, all of us. Every human being is born into sin and into the kingdom of this world in which we are captive to Satan. We grow up adopting that culture, the practices and values of this world, which are often contrary to God's kingdom. Here, take a look at your Bibles. Paul reminds the church, reminds us that we have a heavenly citizenship. Christians were rescued, redeemed through God's grace by Jesus, and we are a new creation. We are now under the rule of Jesus and his kingdom, and we are to act like citizens of the kingdom of God. We are daily being transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit to follow the values, the teachings, and the priorities and practices that honor God. Let's now look at three different aspects of this. So let me get this right here. All right. I'm going to have you guys hold these up. Heaven is our home. Our primary identity is found in Christ. And we are governed by the King. All right. The first one is this. Notice how it says our citizenship. It's collectively. We belong. It is it's current. It's not past tense. It's not future tense. It currently is. It, we are already citizens. We must recognize that our primary citizenship remi- remains in heaven. From the moment that we belong to Christ, we enter into a new relationship with our true homeland. We are no longer just Americans. We are no longer from Kenya. We are no longer connected to the Filipino, which is all great. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Amen? I do have a healthy patriotic pride of my U.S. citizenship. And I wear it around when I go to different countries. When I'm in England, oh, I try to be as loud and, yeah, I'm, I'm annoying. But there's more than that. My true home is heaven. Scripture reminds us often believers that we are to live as aliens we're to live as strangers here on earth though we reside here as aliens we have an eternal heavenly citizenship heaven is our home so amber could you read the passage i gave to you i'd like to read from hebrews chapter 11 verses 9 and 10 By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Jacob and Isaac, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So, Amber, let me ask you a question. What are the benefits of knowing that heaven is our home, living on earth today? 
Well, for me, when I'm faced with trouble or sorrow or hardship, it's life-giving that I know this is not the end, that I have a heavenly home that I can focus on and look forward to, and I can fix my eyes on Christ, who's the author and founder of our faith and of heaven, and that I can look forward to being with him in eternity. The next one, number two, Michelle's holding a sign says, our primary identity is found in Christ. Jesus has liberated us, set us free from the captivity of Satan, and now we are a new creation. We are adopted. We belong to a family, to a spiritual family. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2.19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You belong to something greater than what's here on earth. So Michelle, give us a little bit about your story, then I'll ask you a question. So my citizenship story is kind of unique because I actually didn't have citizenship when I was born. Um, so I was born in the Philippines, my dad's Filipino, and my mom is an American who grew up in the Philippines as a missionary kid. And so when I was a baby, um, she went to the U.S. Embassy in the Philippines to apply for a U.S. passport for my sister and I so we could travel here to the U.S. and visit family. And they rejected her application because she had not lived in the United States long enough to meet the requirement to pass citizenship onto your children. You have to live in the United States for 10 years, and five of those years have to be after you're 14 years old. She hadn't done that. And so they rejected her application and sent her to the Philippine State Department where they would um, give us Philippine citizenship and passports. But when she did that, the Philippines said, no, you're an American. We're not giving your children Philippine passports. Um, and so then eventually my dad, who's the Filipino, he went um, to the Philippine department there, and then they did grant us citizenship. So um, I think it's kind of funny that for a while no country wanted me. Um, but but what, what is really interesting to me is that what that has then kind of it represents really well how I, I grew up, because I grew up going back and forth between the Philippines and the U.S., and I'm both. I'm Filipino and I'm an American, but I've always felt like I don't belong in either place. When I'm in the Philippines, I know I, I don't belong there, and when I'm in the U.S., I know I don't belong here either. And so the verses that Amber was reading, actually the next verses in that passage, those have kind of been like my life verse, Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, because I have a heightened awareness of the fact that I'm a stranger in a foreign country. That's been my whole life. I've always felt like I don't belong here. This isn't what my true identity is. Um, I'm not totally an American. I'm not totally a Filipino. So help me with this, Michelle. Cody, born in Milwaukee, love Wisconsin, great state of the union, I'm all American boy type of a guy. When I go to other countries, I'm obnoxious. Missionaries roll their eyes at me. Help me think through, am I an American Christian or a Christian American? Help me think through that. Well, we are Christians first and foremost, right? That should be our primary identity. So not to say that being an American or for myself, being a Filipino is unimportant. They're really important parts of who I am. Um, God and his sovereignty chose to have me be born in the Philippines to a Filipino father and an American mother. That wasn't a mistake. Um, and so they're important. They're not irrelevant. But they're not 
they don't identify who I am, ultimately. My primary identity is found in Christ. I am a child of God. I am a daughter of the King, and I have my citizenship to heaven is what trumps everything else about me. So I am a Christian who happens to be an American citizen. That's, that's who I am. Yeah, so I would say there's nothing wrong with me. Well, hopefully I'm not rude about it all the time. But you bet I'm proud to be an American. When I go to other countries, I'll let people know. If you're from a different state, Pastor Aaron in his office has a Detroit Lions jersey. He's from Michigan. Let him be proud. We'll help him switch football teams maybe. But let him be proud of that. There's nothing wrong. But our primary identity is found in Christ. Then lastly here, we are to be governed by the king. The affections of their hearts, Christians, are to be ruled by God, following the rules and principles of the eternal kingdom. As citizens, our goal is to be more like Christ, and we are ambassadors of the good news. So OT, help me think about this more about following Christ and how we're to be governed by the king. Yeah, the good thing about being governed by King Jesus is we, I am never disappointed. You know, when I look at the earthly presidents or kings, as all of us know there's a lot of corruption and a lot of things that they do that we don't agree with. And they, we are always disappointed. You know, elections come and we are thinking, oh yeah, there's going to be a change, but most of the time, the change is not good, or it doesn't meet our expectation. But our king, King Jesus, never, never disappoints, and he will never disappoint us. I am an old man, and I can tell you, many years I've lived, I've never been disappointed by King Jesus. And just, it's just a joy to serve him and to be his ambassador, and just to welcome people to this wonderful kingdom that he has given us. Yesterday I was talking to a young man in Baron and he was telling me that he's heard rumors and they're being told not to talk to me because I'm always, always representing Christ. I'm always inviting them to Christ and they want to protect themselves and they're telling each other, don't talk to that guy, don't talk to that guy from Kenya because he always wants to talk to you about his about Jesus, and that's my kingdom. That's where I belong, and that's where I would like people to experience, people to see the beauty of my king. Awesome. Let's give them a hand. Thanks for being up here. <clears throat> Paul in no way denies or minimizes the reality of our earthly obligations, but our true homeland our ultimate destiny is heaven. And as we are living in the U.S., we have responsibilities as citizens. We should practice voting. I encourage you, go and vote. Biblical principles. We should be paying taxes and protecting the laws of our land, our state and union. In our earthly citizenship, we are to live with godly values and principles. We must keep an eye on the kingdom of heaven and that expectations while we deal with earthly issues. 
The second promise. Take a look at this here. The return of our heavenly Savior. We are eagerly waiting for Jesus to return as our Savior. This to me is that starch that just puts in my bones like He's coming back and I am going home. A believer's focus is to be on Christ's return. The Bible teaches that Jesus could come back anytime, just as He had promised, at any moment. Believers are to live holy lives prepared as we wait His return. He will come from heaven where He has been since His ascension after His resurrection appearances. And the events are spelled out partially in 1 Thessalonians for the believer, but also for the unbeliever, what will happen to them. I encourage you, be (coughs) heavenly-minded Excuse me. In this area, what's the chapter I have you often say? I often say memorized. What is it? Romans eight. So after you get that one done, here's the next one: Revelation twenty-one. So write that down, or go to your Bibles, fold it there, put a little mark. You can do that. It's okay. It's not going to destroy your Bible. Revelation twenty-one. I'll never forget when I was in grad school. One of my professors, Wayne Grudem. We had the classes of theology, we're doing all that, we're doing eschatology, and the final test was ready to be done. He said, all right, for your final, he told us way in advance, for your final test, you'll have these three, like three main questions, which you will have to write paragraphs and pages about, but 10% of your final grade is memorizing Romans 21 and writing it out. 10%? That could drop me from a C to a D. He said, memorize in any language you want because we had people from Korea, people from different languages. One guy, I will memorize it in Greek. I'm like, go ahead, buddy. (laughs) Revelation 21. It is one of the most beautiful passages to have etched into your memory. The beauty that someday there will be a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven earth, first earth have passed away, there's no longer a sea. Then God will come. Amen? The beauty of that. We are to eagerly await for Jesus to return as our Savior and the new heaven and the new earth that will be for us. Be heavenly minded. And lastly, the third promise, our heavenly change. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies. On the last days, the bodies of believers will be raised and returned with their souls and enjoy God's presence in heaven. Two things will happen. Our denial of sinful passions, we'll have a denial of sinful passions. The, The desires that we have right now for sin, that will be gone. That will be taken care of. And the presence of sin will be gone. Praise God. Secondly, our bodies will be transformed. That indicates a total change. Our broken, lowly, weak bodies that have been infected by the sinful world, that have been infected by the jobs that you have, they will be like His glorious body. 
or literally conform to the body of His glory. 1 Corinthians 15.43 And all of this is done under, it says here, the control of God. Who is the God who is powerful and faithful to fulfill all His promises. So this is what teacher script scripture teaches us but let me end in the short time that we have here let me end by giving you three examples of people that could have earthly struggles and how they can be more heavenly minded now these are fictitious examples i was thinking or it wasn't me someone said we should put pictures of people up on from church on on the screen for this hopefully you were not the last one right this is why today is so important this is why we must be heavenly minded first one i chose the phrase daughter of god let's think of a christian single mother facing many struggles struggles who in the past they were consumed by poor decisions now depressed has three different jobs children there's no help they're struggling Here's what the daughter of God in a situation like that must be thinking. Set your eyes on the prize, daughter of God. Don't let life's circumstances or life's causes to have you be short-sighted. The earthly reality is hard. But the reality of heaven is a blessed hope for the struggles of the pain and suffering that you have. The grace that is to come, the reality of heaven, is that patient medicine to soothe your soul during distress. In fact, I sent two texts this week to people somewhat like in this situation. And one of my texts said this, On days like today, remember you're a daughter of God. You have a great calling to be a mom. Your value is not based upon what you have done or what you're currently doing or what has been done to you, daughter of God. Jesus' resurrection was the beginning of something new. And you fit into it. You are a new creation and you belong to the Christian family. Rivet your soul on the grace that you will receive when Christ returns. Heaven offers us a great hope and joy that can be certain no matter what you may face now, because what you face now will not last forever. This world is not all that there is. There's more for you. We must have a daily focus, reflective focus on heaven that produces the fruit of perseverance and endurance. Again, here we are, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Yeah, you have present sufferings, but someday we're going home, amen? The strength to endure today's suffering is the fruit of meditating on the future satisfaction that is found in the return of Christ. Don't lose heart as we focus 
on the things that are seen. Instead, focus on that which is unseen, the future, and nourish your soul. Daughter of God, keep your gaze on Christ. Amen? And this can be for anyone struggling. The next one, deep pockets. That's a phrase that sometimes means someone who's rich. Who in here is rich? Compared to the world. Who's here, who in here is rich, right? Compared to the world, we all are. Let me talk to someone who maybe doesn't struggle financially. Maybe you've got deep pockets. Maybe you've been blessed with a great job. Maybe you're retired now and you're getting the benefits and you, 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 yeah, you've got a surplus. God has blesses you, blessed you so you can bless others. Amen? The things of earth truly don't satisfy. Serve God alone. Don't get busy serving all the other things to keep building your own kingdom. Tolerate no distractions. Entertain no divisions like, let me build my little empire, but here's the kingdom of God. All that we have, whether you're rich or poor, belongs to God. Amen? Devote every ounce of mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical wealth to the kingdom of God. God has blessed you so you can bless others. Be heavenly minded. All that we build up for, you can't take it with you. So if God has blessed you with deep pockets, be heavenly minded. Use that for the kingdom of heaven. The last one, arrogant punk. How many in this room fit that category? Anybody okay? All right. Joe, you may yeah. Let me say this. If your understanding of the Gospel is too small, you could fit into this category. If your understanding of the Gospel is not correct, you will fit into this category. In fact, that's what Paul was talking about in the first part of chapter 3. You may think that you're good enough living for yourself and the main purpose of life is all about you and how great you are. Because we believe that we are important. Scripture teaches otherwise. Heaven is real. And there is something greater, there's a greater meaning than just living for yourself. There's something greater in purpose than just living for your own benefits. It's living for Christ. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. God has a real reason and purpose for you each day. Every moment that you're living and breathing is an opportunity not to live for yourself, but to live for Christ. I love it that as Otiano shared, maybe you missed that, that most of the Somali population in Barron is saying, don't hang out with that guy because all he does is talk about Jesus. Isn't that great? That's a great problem to have. Don't live for yourself. Live to love and serve God by loving and serving others. And with these three, I'd encourage you. Life is short. 
Psalm 90 says this, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Set your mind fully on the hope that is to come. Amen? It will help you in your struggles, daughter and son of God. It will help you if you have deep pockets to see what you can use your resources for the kingdom. And it will help you realize there's more than just living for yourself. It's living for Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You that I have a citizenship. I have a dual one. I didn't realize that. Sometimes I just think of what's written on my passport or my state ID that I have as my driver's license. But we are reminded today that we also have a spiritual citizenship. There are some spiritually who are dead. And they are going to face damnation. But those who are in Christ, those who belong to Christ, we have a heavenly citizenship. And we await the return of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And I long for the day where He will transform our bodies as we see Him face to face. But until that day, Until that day, as we cry, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, help us keep our focus on You. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand and join us in our last few songs.